Welcome, friend, to the trifecta of joy. What is the trifecta? Awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibe. This podcast is about you, your life, your adventure, and how to live it juicy. Our podcast is brought to you by Perfectly Imperfect Life Coaching. Download your free joy guide at www.freejoybook.com. A gift from us to you. Again, www.freejoybook.com. I'm your host, Tanya Gill. But really, we're in this together. Connected, sharing, and adventuring through life. So let's do it with joy. My friends, I have the extreme privilege of sharing Dr. Jody Carrington with you. Dr. Jody Carrington is a renowned psychologist sought after for her expertise, energy, and approach to helping people solve their most complex human-centered challenges. Their most complex human-centered challenges. Jody focuses much of her work around reconnection, the key to healthy relationships and productive teams. I can't wait to talk about that, some of that stuff right away. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and leader of Carrington and Company, and she uses her badass humor, a little bit of cussing, and her 20-year career as a psychologist to empower everyone she connects with. And this is exactly the truth. Aw, Tanya! I'm not done! do it! Oh, oh, people don't care. Let's just jump into it. People No, because I need to just say that your latest book, Feeling Seen, is needs to be on people like it needs to be on bookshelves. And it needs to be on bookshelves with the trifecta of joy. Yes! I am telling you, this book, the last chapter, I felt like you were I was crying. So so let's get into it. So let's get into it, my love. Hey, let's all, do it. What motivated you to decide that this was needed in the world right now? Well, I think that, you know, so much of what I wrote in Kids These Days and Teachers These Days was um, the starting point to really sort of the, the big umbrella to it all, right? And so how do we take this message? Because it was interesting. I started... Um, I was 10 years at the Alberta Children's Hospital and working with kids and trauma. And I spent a lot of time with police officers and the parallels between, you know, police work and trauma and kids, you know, growing up in, you know, surviving or, you know, even contemplating multiple generations of abuse, neglect and trauma. I would speak to those groups and use the exact same slide deck. And so we started to talk about like, gosh, whether we're talking to farmers or, you know, female entrepreneurs or people trying to navigate kids with big through big emotions it's it's all the same fucking deal and so feeling seen really was like how do we take that thing that seems to be resonating with um, police officers and teachers to sort of make this like okay what is this really about what does this world need right now regardless of age race religion socioeconomic status gender identity what does it need right now and it really is about feeling seen and so that um it was during the pandemic and HarperCollins, actually, we got a meeting with them, which is really tricky as a self-published author. And they were like, hey, would you write a book for us? And I was like, fuck, let me check my schedule. 
Yes. Uh, yes. And and their request was really for a book that would be more sort of universally available to people that, you know, we could put it in airports and Costco and, you know, those kind of things. And they're like, you know, what do you think would resonate right now? And I was like, I, we need a roadmap on how to reconnect in this disconnected world. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do you think you could do that? And I was like, yeah, listen, here's here's the pitch. Okay. And I've been yeah, doing like all along. All I need to do is put it into words. Yeah, exactly. So like it was, it was, I mean, it, the turnaround was really quick. And so it was remarkably difficult to sort of pull it together, I think in the short period of time, but I, but I like, I knew it in my bones. Right. And so it was just like, how do we just get it out on paper? Um, and then just some remarkable people like Sarah Adamanko Ansa, who is the resident, a teacher in residence at, um, the Canadian Human Rights Museum. She was really instrumental in in one of the you know the chapters on racism and mm-hmm. trauma and um and then everything else was just so cool like just hockey stories you know like the hockey mom up the street how we got into it and then you know Asher losing his best friend who happened to be ninety three years old and you know oh. like just shit like that it was so fun to put those experiences in the book. Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay. Let's go. Let's go back to the to to Asher for a second and his ninety three or ninety two. I can't remember how old Bill was. Ninety two, okay. maybe. Yeah, old Bill. Okay, so to the story of old Bill. Okay, so I first of all, what I love so much about feeling seen is that the timing of it is really important. Mm. I you know on you wrote this book during the pandemic. But now that the pandemic is, and I'm going to use very big air quotes over, okay, now that the pandemic is over, or we are learning how to live in a world with a pandemic, there is a lot of space now where connection seems to seem a little more uncomfortable or a little bit harder. And and so the thing that I appreciate so much about your book is, is that it's really not as complicated as we want to make it seem. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Yeah. And I think like, here's the interesting thing to me, right? Is that despite the fact that we're neurobiologically wired for connection, like we will never, ever automate relationship. The hardest thing we will do is look into the eyes of the people we love. And so it's this really interesting fucking I don't know what it is like it's like this interesting irony if you will of we need it now more than ever however our ability to to escape from it the exit ramps you know the phones and the uh, sinking into the iPads and you know we live in bigger houses and now we're really normalizing working from home makes all of this stuff that we need so desperately even less and less accessible. And the less we do it, the less we get practiced at the nuances of, you know, social interactions and handling hard conversations and really reading each other's nonverbal, you know, sort of responses if we don't spend time together. And so we're really in this crux, I think, of, you know, what I think is going to take, you know, the biggest, I don't even know if it's going to be powerful enough, but it is the mental health crisis that is gripping all of us that is, is going to be like the biggest sort of pullback to like, what do we do about this? Because I think that we're so sad when we watch our people, um, you know, disappear from us. And when we feel like we've disappeared from ourselves a little bit, like, who am I? What do I want? You know, is this life worth living for me? And I think that nothing can replicate truly being seen by another human being. When you have been seen by another, it is like the greatest drug 
It is the greatest sort of, I don't know, motivation. It's the feeling of like just undeniably getting got. You know, it often happens without words. It's this sense of like, huh. And I think, you know, it's it's strung together by empathy. But the prerequisite to feeling seen is you have to be emotionally regulated. So the work actually starts with you and me doing the next best right kind of thing if we really want to reconnect the world. This is nobody's job other than you and me, right? Like no senior leader is going to come up with some great shit. No policy or program is going to be the answer. It's you and me stepping into just just simply next best right kind of thing, waving at your neighbor, giving your kid a compliment, um, looking in the mirror and being like, you know what, bitch? 47 is not so bad, you know? How do we sort of get back into this space of knowing that we each hold, we each bear a massive responsibility, I think, to to fight the desire to just shrink from each other. And some of us will be better at it than others. And I think those of us in a position of privilege, I mean, I, I always talk about this, I started on third base. I mean, it's easy for right. me to say these things. White, straight, able-bodied, money. Um, and so I better fucking use it. And that was the whole premise of, you know, feeling seen. I can't tell my kids how to be better or anti-race. I have to show them. Right. And, and that's, that's the power, right? Like this is, I talk about the legacy of self-love and, Mm -hmm. and I think that this is exactly what you're, you're talking about, right? Because we, we absolutely have to show them and, and it starts with you and me. It starts with how we feel about ourselves and it starts with how we interact with the world. And so if we're living in a world where we want to stay tied, you know, to our wagon of shit and bitter and miserable, then what are we putting out to the world? And, and, and as we, cause we're all lights, right? I mean, you talk about it in your book about the difference between religion and spirituality, right? And at the end of the day, we're all lights, we're all connected, we're all love and light, and we're we're hardwired for connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if we're hardwired for that connection, where do we inside? Where do we where do we go? Where do how do we create that? And you are you very simply say, just start noticing, building that awareness, mm-hmm. right? Start paying some attention to your life around you and the relationships in your life that matter. Yeah. And don't you think that's becoming more and more challenging? Like, I love, you know, even as you say this out loud, it's like, you know, some people I feel like are in such a place of overwhelm that it's like, God damn it. Like, what, why can't people just do it for me? You know, why can't, like, why do I always have to be the one? to start it, right? Don't you hear women say that all the time, particularly, you know, this is what gets me is that, you know, highest rate of suicide in this, in our, in our province, in our country is middle-aged men. And the answer I think to so much of this is the role of women who are exhausted and almost resentful in some ways to have to be the emotional wherewithal for so many things and so many people. And so I feel like it is this mammoth ask and you know, you can't address what you don't acknowledge. And so I think we have to start in this place of like, it's it's going to be fucking brutal because you're not going to feel like you want to do it. And so much of it comes into this place of like, you, you will end up getting more from this than it will feel as though you're giving away. And making space for yourself. Like it, it, it amazes me. It amazes me. Like, and I love, uh, I mean, again, there's so many things in their book, that I don't, but it amazes me how 
in your in your book you talk about breathing and being and and having conversations with your people whether they are in person or in spirit because i your your dear is it how do you say her name Rhea? yeah yeah your dear Rhea. you like you stood on that balcony after that rock star day and you were like i fucking did it i fucking did it yeah yeah it was amazing and and you know like my first husband passed away 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and and i i have conversations with him every day too and And, and yeah, and like, I, I celebrate with him too. Right. And nice. so, you know, that, that beautiful connection that we can have it in our own lives and, and with spirit. And I want to bring that back to the fact though, that we often don't give ourselves any space for that. Like we talk about meditation and then people are like, oh, like, and I was one of those people, by the way, who's like, I don't, yeah, meditate. Me too. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I like to move. I'm too busy. I don't, I don't meditate. Well, he, like, like you said, drop your fucking shoulders. Yeah. 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 Bring, bring your yeah. tongue off the roof of your mouth and take some breaths. Yeah. Be where the hell you are. Well, and I think so, so many times, like, okay, so tell me what you think about this, because I think that so often there is this expectation that we need to be doing more. Like, so you need to take another course, you need to work out harder, you need to like do this, the work around self-growth. And we often like, when we want to date somebody or marry somebody, we're like, oh, she hasn't done the work or he hasn't done the work. And I think that there's really this misunderstanding that so much of what we need is already done, right? Like it is it is not that we don't have the ability to be remarkable humans. It's that we lose access to it. And so much of the deal is how do we get back to it? Not recreate it, but how do we get back to those things like intuition and, you know, connection to the best parts of, you know, knowing how powerful we are and regulating our own communities and our own children and our own partners. And once we recognize just how powerful we are in that way, and like, I I think it's like so true about, you know, you send somebody a compliment, uh, you know, a text message with a compliment today, or you, you know, just watch what happens at some point today before you go to sleep, you know, genuinely look at somebody, whether you know them or not, and identify something about them that, you know, that you love. And ideally it's a, it's a trait, not a thing, but do take, I'll take either. You know, if it's like, I love your sweater is usually not as powerful as like your kindness just radiates when I, when I step into this room, I'm so glad you're here today. Right. That single handedly can alter the trajectory of not only day, but it can like, it could save a life. And when I think about looking for motivation to get out of bed in the morning, I think like, fuck, I don't have to do anything different. I just have to do that a little more often and I will be better for it. And my children are watching, Like, you can't tell your kids how to be great or you can't tell your, you know, your people, your partner, you have to show them and you don't have to show them all the time because you're going to fuck it up. You're going to get tired. Like, let's drop the bar here. And that's my whole excitement about being alive in this season, despite the fact that we're on smack in the middle of a mental health crisis and people are fucking exhausted, is that the bar has never been this low. You know, like if you want to be successful, the good news is the bar's pretty fucking low. You just got to be nice. And you got to be nice to other people and you got to be nice to yourself. Boom, boom. Right. And then, and when you do that, it, it does. It's like you said, it's the switch. It's the serotonin. And like 
people refer to me as like a fairy because when I go out, I'm one of those people who is like, if I'm walking down the mall, I'm not a mall person, just so we're clear, I'm not. But if I'm walking down the mall and I see someone who's got like great shoes, for example, I'll be like, I love your shoes. Or at the checkout, you know, if if I've noticed that 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 cashier has really gone to extensive lengths to do beautiful makeup, I would I say things like, I love your makeup. It's beautiful. You know, in and, and those moments of feeling seen, you really never know. And you know, like you you say that you that feeling seen can you never know if it's going to change a life. And and I always I I well I put it in my book too, but I I say like you never know the impact a single conversation can make. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean when I was a teacher the kids would come to my classroom. I was teaching high school at the time. The kids would come to my classroom and hang out at lunchtime. Yeah. And they would hang out just to be. Mm-hmm. They would hang out because they knew that they were in a safe place, that they were being held, and that there was someone there for them. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just a safe place to hang out. Yeah, yeah. And... And and we know from ACEs scores, right? Adverse child experience scores that it takes one caring adult. Mm-hmm. It helps mm-hmm. if there's a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it takes one. So you never know when you show up for another human being, what impact you're making. So true. So true. And I think that's just the thing is that like, you know, we often get overwhelmed by this, like, oh my goodness, the weight of the world is so big. And, you know, like, oh, I wish I had the time or the money to start a nonprofit. I wish like, you know, why can't I do this and whatever. But the thing is, is that like, we get overwhelmed by, you know, the constant inundation of, you know, social media ideals and news um, bombardments of the things that, you know, are going so terribly, that it really, I think, demoralizes so many people. And it, there's a paralysis that happens in, in being able to sort of do anything because it all feels futile. Like, what's the point, right? How much of a difference is this truly going to make? And I think that that is like the scariest thing because it is really when you notice that futility setting in, it becomes really difficult to sort of, you know, want to even do the next right best kind thing. Um, And so we do nothing. And then the cycle continues, right? And so, I mean, there's there's so much around the theory of change and motivation that really is embedded in the truth of all of this. It really is like, just do it. Just do a little thing today and a little thing tomorrow. And that's how we get somewhere. You know, like J- James Clear's Atomic Habits, you know, is right. really about like, listen, if you set your course, you start from Toronto or whatever example is, and you set your course just like two millimeters to the left, you're going to end up in a completely different place than, you know, if you fly in a straight line. And it's, it's so, I think about that often, right? It's like, gosh, it doesn't have to take much. If you don't got a lot left in the tank, listen, welcome. Because this, if you do, oh my God, look out, then we need you. But if you are the one sort of running on fumes, mm -mm, like, listen, you're in good company. And, and it is 1% change. Like, that's why I say, that's why I say motivation is bullshit, but momentum is magic, right? Mm, I love that. Motivation is that like hard start. It's that Monday diet. It's that, uh, that that, uh, 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 grind. And I think that, you know, 
we lose motivation very, very quickly, especially when we're already overwhelmed, exhausted. We feel like, you know, we think about 10 spoons and then we realize we've got a back pocket full of spoons too, because we're serving so many people. And so, and so, you know, like momentum is stepping into what's next and, and wait, and, and this, this, oh my God, wait, I, I got to find the page. I should have flagged it because when I read it, I laughed out loud and I was like, see, I'm not the only one. And it, and the, and, and the, the sub, the, sorry, the subtitle is balance is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Balance is bullshit. And I like Jody, we have a world, like you say, we are in a mental health crisis. We have people who are overwhelmed, who are stressed, who are feeling, some people are feeling like, what's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. 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 And yeah. And, and then they somehow think, I just want to create balance. And it's like, and even as I say it, like my own body reacts, like I'm like, you're setting yourself up. You're setting like, well, and, and it's interesting because we've had a lot of, yeah, sorry. We've, we've had a lot of conversations with the team lately and it was like, I almost wish I would have added a word to that because it's like achieving balance is bullshit because the desire to sort of try and, you know, like get this and, and give it a lot over here and not a lot over here. It's like, that's the bullshit part is that like, you know, we're always constantly striving to sort of do a little bit and not too much, but it's like the achieving of it and the expectation that, you know, like, I think even in the world of business, we've long talked about like the work life balance and, you know, how you sort of have to keep a foot on both sides of those things. I, I, I think that's always true, but achieving it isn't the end game. Like you don't sort of be like, ha, I figured out the formula. This is how I, you know, teach my children that you can be a a mom and you can balance all the ideals of motherhood. And then also you can just step into the boardroom after you've baked cookies and dropped everybody off the fucking school and you look good in your Spanx and then you just like do the things, you know, like you, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're one generation out of the ideals that our mamas all sort of sunk into. And some of the most powerful women in my world are my my ancestors, my grandmothers, you know, who lived very traditional ways. Um, and so we're one generation into sort of really debunking, being a disruptor of the traditional roles. And it's not going to feel comfortable and there'll be nothing about it that is is balanced because it's all achieving that has always been bullshit but even more so now as we rewrite rules well and and that's exactly it the the rules are being rewritten for women in in these generations that we're in right now right i mean the rules around our roles in our homes our roles in our communities our roles in business, all of those rules are getting rewritten. And we're also feeling safer to speak our truth. Mm-hmm. And so some of us, some of us are, particularly as white women. But like, I think, you know, that's the thing that I always got to be reminded of all the, t- all the time is that we even get the we have the ability to do podcasts, we have the ability to take, you know, seats at tables. And I think sometimes it's like, as hard as it is for somebody in a position of privilege, I can't fucking fathom. And actually I can't, I just don't want to, but the, the idea of like just the inroads of people who have, have built this before we got here, you know, like, I just think it's, it's astounds me every single day. It is astounding. It is astounding. And then it's about the legacy, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Is our opportunity moving forward. So I have to, I have to tell you, Jody, this is the, this is the coolest part. This is what I love about having a podcast is I get to talk to and have amazing conversations with really cool people. And before you, I spoke with a woman by the name of Gloria. Gloria was my Uber driver when I was in Dallas last time. Okay. No way! Now, Gloria's story is so unbelievable. She she originates from Ghana. When she was nine years old, she was told she was moving to the United States. She arrived at the United States and was literally dumped with a woman and her boyfriend and told, this is your mother. And what? And then she ended up experiencing a lot of tremendous abuse in that in that dynamic. Oh my heart. And 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 you know though, what is so beautiful about Gloria is that she first of all recognized that she wanted a life that was different from what she had had grown up in and saw the possibilities. She also had influential people in both her church life and in her school life we did a shout out to three badass teachers who helped her graduate and and now she's a nurse and she drives she drives car for the she drives uber for extra money and she's pregnant with a baby girl and so and that's how you met you met her oh my god i know but this is the thing okay but this is what we're talking about, Jody. Like when we show up with the acronym I use is help, honor, empathy, love, and presence. Yeah. When we show up that way, people feel seen. And, and, and that's what your book is. And I'm like, sister, like, Oh my God, like you are far more articulate. And obviously you are like the PhD queen and you are Dr. Jody Carrington. And I, I'm like, yes, just simply. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think it's that experience, you know, with that, you know, beautiful woman. And, you know, I have to talk about Jesse Thistle, who, you know, was so pivotal in, in my understanding. So he wrote from the ashes um, he's an indigenous man that was raised in the system in, um, Saskatchewan and Ontario. And he's now just finishing his PhD at York. And he was homeless and in prison and, you know, had been through all of the things. And he, you know, so many of the stories that resonate with me are just simple ones where, you know, he was like, you know, on the, sitting on the, um, corner for days, you know, hoping that somebody would just sort of give him money or, you know, acknowledge him. And somebody knelt down and asked him his name. And he remembers, you know, being able to just say his name out loud and hearing his name um, spoken by another human being, you know, and he hadn't for months even been addressed as a person. And having somebody do that for him just really sort of was the impetus to be like, huh, there is somebody in here. And you know, I, I need to honor that and be better and do better. And, you know, and, and then, you know, talking about all the people he met along the way, including his now remarkable wife, Lucy, who, you know, together, you know, they, she picked him up from jail and they, away they went and they have a little girl and like, it's, it's amazing. So it's, it's like, sometimes it's like, it's not those like massive interventions, you know, like, yes, he went through this treatment program and all the, but it was like the guy who knelt down and there, and do we not all have the opportunity to do that on any given day? 
Absolutely. you know, to, 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 you know, have, strike up a conversation with the Uber driver to, you know, stop and kneel down and, you know, to have a conversation about, even if you don't have money to give to somebody else, but even in that conversation of like, tell me more, right. I'm um, asking people their name like acknowledging somebody in the, in the elevator, you know, like, it's just, it's such a fun game. And oh I just like really love oh it. God. I love the elevator awkward. I make it a game. I get in. <laughs> All right. So here's where the party is. I'm like, who, you know, like who brought the party favors and like, what, what are we drinking and how many floors do we get to dance? I'm that person. Oh, that's awesome. Tanya. Well, but like, seriously, Jody, like, Elevator awkward. Come on. We're in a box together. Let's acknowledge one another. Let's acknowledge yeah. that we're human beings in a box together. And, you know, like, it's so, it's so great. You know, Anon has, has talked about this in his research where, you know, the, the only intention was in his whole platform was to get people to look at each other uh, for four minutes. And it's remarkable to me how difficult that is, you know, and, and even when I was like first reading the research, I was like, how hard can this be? Like, I, I've been married to my personal husband for 15 years. Like I should be able to come home and like, look at him and like, how hard can this, you know, and he's got a PhD in, in feeding cows, which basically it's, it, he's a feedlot nutritionist, which I'm sure is very hard, but he basically just drives around and looks to see if heifers are hungry. Okay. And so I was like, you know, <laughs> This can't be very hard. And I was like, hey, can you, I was reading this research. Can you just sit and look at me for four minutes? And he was like, why? Did you get a new Why? What am I looking for? Excuse me. What do you mean, why? I had a lot of choices in 1993 and I chose you. That's why you're going to sit here and look at me. And I think, you know, it's so interesting that even replicating the research in that first 30 seconds with somebody you really love, even if you know them really well, it's awkward and silly and you know you're you're you just want to make sure that the synchronicity is going to be there that they're going to you know be vulnerable if you're going to be vulnerable and if they're not going to be vulnerable you're not going to be vulnerable and we get in this sort of standoff and you know one of my favorite psychologists on the planet Harriet Lerner wrote um how it is all about a dance with big emotions she wrote the dance of anger the dance of intimacy and i and i really have always loved that concept because it it is so hard to get it right with another human being. You know, you can stop one day and sort of ask somebody who you think needs connection, what their name is. And they're like, fuck off lady, you know, or you're dancing in an elevator and they're like, okay, lunatic. So the, it is also premised on this idea or prefaced on this idea that there's going to be some responsiveness there. And when there isn't, what do we do with that? Because it can really then mitigate that from ever happening and, and this often happens in marriages right where i'm going to try to seek your connection and it's not going to be the time or the place or you're not going to be open to it so you know what fuck it i'm never going to do it again and we get in this dance of then okay the walls are up and who's brave enough to break down the walls and often we just disconnect and then look for it somewhere else yeah yeah right that and that's the thing it's it's being willing to step back into the dance or oh, so scary right yeah. Right? Well, and, and we are like, I mean, because we're wired for, for connection, if we don't feel good about ourselves and we experience what I'm going to use, I'm going to use the word rejection. Yeah. We experience that rejection. Yeah. Like it, it, it can further fuel our fear of future connection. Particularly if there's a trauma history on board. Well, or and if in your bones, you know, you, that's your expectation of how people will respond to you is, 
that they're not, that the world isn't a safe place, that humans aren't, they can't be trusted, right? That you've protected so hard. I mean, the beginning of Feeling Seen, I talk about the soul. And for a long time, I've talked about emotional regulation and kids and people. But I was like, what the fuck are we trying to get back to? Like, of course, emotional regulation is a thing. And that's a really good thing. But like, is it true? And in many Eastern philosophical practices, there's a lot of talk about like the sense of self, the seed of self, like all of the core beings and I core parts to our beings. And I really think that that is what we try to do. And when you truly see another, that's the part you see is the soul. But you can imagine how hard it is to get through all the armor if somebody has buried a husband, if somebody has been told repeatedly that they're not worth it, if somebody has like been physically assaulted because of the color of their skin, fuck you. Even when you say to me, it's safe to come out or you can trust me or you can fall in love with me again, not a fucking chance right? Because the armor is so thick. You have to work so much harder in this human relationship and connection game to be able to get back there again and again and again. And I love that challenge most of the time. I, I'm like, okay, you need me to prove to you? Have you met? Like, and this is what I loved about the children's hospital, right? Is that like, there'd be hitters and kickers and biters and the ones that tell you to fuck off. And, you know, I got throat punched so many times I lost count. And I loved it because I understood the context right? Context is a prerequisite for empathy. When I know that their job is to push me away enough, 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 because they didn't believe that somebody would stick with them long enough. Ha! Challenge accepted, right? And it doesn't mean that we don't tolerate bullshit. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that sometimes it'll be like enough. No, 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 no. Right. Doesn't mean that everything goes, but it means that you lead with kindness and that again and again and again and again, and it's exhausting, which is why we need our people to be able to sort of get us back in the game when we fall apart. But it really is the deal to step back in again and again and again. And, and you know what, as you're talking about stepping in again and, and again and again, and you're talking about your hospital experiences, I, I remember one night um, I was doing call. I had to remove a teenage girl from a situation and she needed to be formed and she needed to be hospitalized. And she was angry as all fuck and uh, and and I I kept like you know I was there I was like I was letting her hold her anger and I you know I was I mean the lid completely flipped right yeah. completely flipped and you know it's so funny right you talk about the snacks I was always the one with the I have a granola bar in my purse are you hungry right like I should you know should we should we hit the drive through on the way to the hospital like I'm not I was that person anyway Nice. But is what was so interesting, though, is that she was because and I believe this because I didn't I wouldn't walk away from her when she was pushing so fucking hard mm -hmm. when we were when when her and my time working together were coming to an end. She said to me, you know, you're not just a cunt. You're a thunder cunt. And I was like, what do you do with that? Right? Like, what do you do with that? You and say, thank you. And, and that was exactly it. She oh my God, I love that. The biggest compliment. She was like, you stay by me like a superhero. You are a thunder cunt. And I was like, and then one of my colleagues drew me a little thunder cunt, um, superhero it was hilarious oh my god you need a t-shirt for sure right it but like but it's so it, it that's that those are the examples though right like you show yeah. up yeah 
yeah again and especially with our kiddos you just keep showing up again yeah I love that that's awesome that is so awesome I've never said those words on my podcast before (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I've ever heard that word on a podcast before but like I'm here for it And that's why I love you. You're here for it, right? Oh gosh, that is so great. That is so great. So you know, you know how you talk about that four minutes of of gazing, um, and 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 how when you and your husband Aaron were doing that, it was like an experience, quite an experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, last night, I actually said to my husband, like, you know, are you up for this? Do you want to do this? Yeah. And he's like, of course, like he's, he's up for anything. He's up for anything. He, he's, yeah. a university, he's a university prof in, in health sciences and, and he focuses on men's mental health and transgender health and, and oh, amazing immigrant health, which is like also yeah. so important. So beautiful. Sacred. So, anyway, so he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally up for it. And then guess who fell asleep? Wow, it was soothing. No, I fell asleep before we did it. What? I, I know. I was like, okay, well, let's just do it like right before we go to bed, blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, well, I, you know, here's the thing. I, here's, I'm going to blame you. All right? <laughs> I'm going to blame you because I was so nervous about <laughs> I was so, but it was like that excited nervous, like that, you know, like, yeah, like the Elizabeth Gilbert thing. Like it's that excited nervous. And so, oh my gosh. and so this morning he said to me, he's like, yeah, we never did that four minute thing you wanted to do. And I'm like, we'll do it tonight. I promise sweetheart. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Okay. Well, I need to know how it goes. Oh. Okay. Okay. I will yeah. let you know. I will let you know. I'll be like, oh my God, it was awkward as hell. Although, you know, actually, so funny. Yeah, oh my will, gosh. I think it will be really lovely. Um, okay. So I actually wanted to, to comment on a couple of things that you've done in your book that I think are really, really important for your readers. Okay. Um, at the end of each chapter, you ask three questions. Mm-hmm. And the questions what I appreciate about the questions is that they push you to an awareness that you may not have considered before. Mm. And they also encourage you to stretch yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I was wondering like how, what, what made you decide first of all, to put these questions in yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, I, I think that so much of the time, like even when in kids these days and teachers these days, we did this as well. And I was thinking about this, like, is this necessary when we're not talking specifically to teachers or, you know, educators? And um, it was like the, the conversation with our editor was like totally around how do we make sure that some of these these ideas stick? How do we, you know, provide a sense of like, how can you dig just a little bit deeper? How can you sort of get into this place of like, okay, just a second, did this really resonate? What did this really mean to me? And so we as a team sort of came up with, I was like, okay, what out of this chapter, what do you think really needs to be sort of hammered home? 
And then, you know, we would come up with some things and, and like some of them are better than others where, you know, I admittedly, but I, I, you know, and sometimes people just, sometimes I do this, just like skip over that and want to get to the next chapter kind of right. But I, I love it when people do use this book as, you know, for a book club. And that's what I love the most about sometimes, like, even if you didn't read the chapter, you know, fully, or it didn't resonate, or you were like, fell asleep through it, or whatever the deal is. Those are some of the things that can just sort of ground you back in the content, and then, you know, just sort of highlights the things that I, I hope that you take from each of them. So I, I, for that reason, I just like, it's kind of a bit of a roadmap as you navigate it. Yeah. And it's a great roadmap. It's a really great roadmap. Yeah, cool. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an especially important roadmap when we look at privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I also consider myself to be a very privileged woman. I am white, heterosexual. I, 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 and, and, and I live on Blackfoot land, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I live on in, in, in an indigenous territory mm-hmm. and I acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And I acknowledge that there are so many layers of privilege that come with wherever we are in our lives. But sometimes we don't even take a moment to consider the privilege that we have. Well, that's the definition of privilege. You don't have to. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a conscious effort. And I and I think that it, it hasn't been for so long. And, you know, like I haven't talked about the fact that I am, you know, despite the fact that I grew up on this, I don't know. I, I mean, I got a PhD in this country. I never, not one time learned about the residential school system. I never, not one time, you know, talked a lot about, you know, why do the people we serve in child and family services, why is, you know, in this, in this province, why, you know, 10% of the kids in this province are indigenous, but they make up 72% of kids in care. I never questioned those things, you know, even when I served in this population, you know, served the population and I'm like, what the hell? And you don't have to ask those questions, right? If you've always just been the one with the answers or taught you're the one with the answers. And um, that was such a big part about feeling seen for me is that like, yeah, so it's easy to sort of be in this place of, of knowing what feeling seen feels like when you've been privileged enough to have that experience, because it really is a privileged experience to feel seen. And I, that was the hardest chapter, you know, th- there's a chapter tucked right in the middle. That was the hardest one to, to write. And I, it's the one that I get, you know, that I'm excited, I should say, to get the most feedback on, because I know I fucked it up. I know I have so much unlearning to do. Um, and it's just how we attract people who can teach us more is is just, I think, one of the most important parts of this whole process. And I think we have to realize that the people who can teach us more are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like It's not... It, it, and and yes, I mean, I've had the privilege of sitting with elders and and listening to their stories, and and I mean, many of us are very familiar with the blanket exercise, and whoo, what an emotional journey the blanket exercise can be to, yeah. to understand the impact that is colonization, yeah, that is colonization, that is you know, racialization, which is of course a made up word and also genocide. Let's like, 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 let's be kind of real. Let's just use the the word that's real. And that is it's genocide. Right. So, you know, so we have an opportunity every single day to see others. Like, I mean, I live in Lethbridge. We are next to the largest indigenous reserve in Canada. We, Mm -hmm. 
we have a, a large Indigenous population. And a lot of those folks come with massive amounts of trauma, with massive amounts of history, both genetically and in this life, right? Because we know that there is like intergenerational trauma is a very real thing. And so, you know, like that moment of just choosing to see and learn from who, whomever we can. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 And doing that work and checking, doing that work and checking, doing that work and checking. It's just like, yeah, it's a never ending, it's a never ending process. And I, you know, every day I just think about how lucky I am in this lifetime, but certainly in this last season. And, you know, even the conversations that I have with our children, that is so different than in one generation that, you know, we would have never dreamed about having around our kitchen table. Right. And I'm, I'm, it makes me hopeful some days. Like, I mean, I know that the, we're so far behind in so many ways. And the fact that it's happening more and more also gives me hope. You know what? Every conversation counts. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time we speak up counts. Yeah. yeah. And every conversation counts. And what I find inspiring about the generations that are coming and what I see in my children and in their friends and in like, you know, younger 20 somethings peoples is that they they don't feel like they 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 are being more authentically themselves than ever. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not uncommon to have kids that go by they them or to be transgender or to, you know, identify as pansexual or, you know, there there's also this space for acceptance and love for so much diversity. Mm-hmm. And that is like, to me, that's so important too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Another piece of being seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. This book, like seriously, seriously, mm-hmm. you talk through the whole book that, that really, when it comes right down to it, our whole job is to walk one another home. We're just here to walk each other home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. That Ramdas quote, I have it hanging over my shoulder because I, we, I, I forget it all the time. But that really is the big why in the world for me, right? Is really like that's that's our job, and it, on our on our worst days, we're not our worst days, but on many days we're the walkers, and on other days we're the walkies, and sometimes you're doing both at the exact same time. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just think that it is, it is the reason, right. When I get overwhelmed and I think like, oh my gosh, this is too much. I'm exhausted. I'm on the road. You know, we just lost my mother-in-law, all these things. It's like, what, how are we going to do it? And then I start to think, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, what is, how, how privileged, where's the, the gratitude, where are we at in this part to understand that we're just, we're all, we're not, nobody's getting out of here alive. We're all going to be in this place of, you know, having those moments where things fall together and then they don't. And, you know, how do we how do we embrace those moments becomes, I think, the thing. Um, And if you are lucky enough to be in a place on any given day where you can sort of seek the joy. And I I think that that's, you know, with respect to your book, I mean, that's the whole point. Right. Is it like even in the front row of a funeral? There are those moments that you can string together and happiness is so elusive because it's not a thing that anybody ever has, but we have the opportunity to find the moments of joy in any given day and string them together. And that's really why we're here, not to be happy. 
right? But to to find those moments of joy. Right. And it can and it, it requires presence. It requires presence. Yeah. 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 Because remember, the most vulnerable emotion on the planet is joy. And you can't be emotionally dysregulated and feel joy. It's it's neurobiologically impossible. So emotional regulation brings joy. It's the key. It's the key. It's the key to staying badass. There's one last thing I want to read to our readers because I just think it's uh is so powerful and it's it's really interesting too. And you say the problem with most of us is that we want to get there yesterday. Mm-hmm. And patience, I fucking hate that word too. It's a <laughs> um and and but but reality is is that what we have is right here right now. And you know, we talked about it earlier. It's like those one single steps every single day that make the difference because we aren't getting, we aren't getting out of here alive. And, you know, Gloria, the, the young lady that I interviewed before you, you know, her, her, her inspiration, she said, this is, it's so cool. Cause she's like, every single day I wake up, I know if I wake up, I still have a purpose on this planet. Cool. If I'm waking up, I have a purpose and that means one step forward. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. And that one step forward, we're walking each other home. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I love you. I love you. Okay. Thank so, you so much for having me. Oh, you know what, Jody? Like this has just been like so awesome. So awesome. So here's the thing though, young lady. And I get to say that because I'm 48. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> So here's the thing, young lady, um, you have been doing a book tour and then it looks like you're taking a little break and then you're finishing up in Calgary and it's sold out. Yeah. We head to New York next week. Uh, that's our only U S stop. And then, uh, we're Winnipeg and Calgary is where we end. And, um, yeah, we sold out every stop. It was amazing. It's been amazing. St. John's was phenomenal. Toronto was so intense. Halifax was <laughs> massive. And it was, it was just like, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's Vancouver was ridiculously fun. It was, it was so good. So are you thinking about opening up a second one in Calgary? Because I know oh, we've talked about it and it's just like, I, I don't know, but you, you think we should, eh? Just, <laughs> just because I was posting because I've been so excited and I've been so nervous. And I mean, I got flowers from some, some of the women who are in one of my groups because I love because they know how like how excited and nervous and all of the things I was. And we had talked actually months ago, uh, a couple months ago, and you were already sold out. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, so I thought, you know what? I was like, I'll ask her if she's if she's going to do another one, if she's if she's going to do a, and I and I get it. You've got to also have boundaries because you talk about boundaries in the book, too. You've got to know your limits, man. I, I, and I think like, that's, that's part of it for me is that like the, the speaking piece has become so fantastic. It's the thing I love to do the most. And it's like, you know, how do we, how do we make sure that we, you know, do that, but then still have something at the end of the day. Right. And, um, the tour stops are, are so fulfilling, but I, I want people to come to feel seen. So everybody gets a book. 
I will stay till the last person leaves. We do, you know, make sure, you know, I sign and we do photos and all those kind of things. So the, the tour itself has been, you know, the most that I've ever sunk into anything on because I'm like, if people are going to actually come and spend money to buy the shit that I write, then and I, I mean, I'll give you everything I got. So it's been, it's been exhausting in ways that I've never felt before, but also rewarding in unbelievable ways. What has been the greatest reward? Um, I think when I see my kids, you know, just sort of ask the questions about like, okay, what was that like? Who did you get to meet? What did you get to do? Do we get to come to Calgary? Um, they're very jacked because they get to be a part of the Calgary show. And so they're like, what? what you know like what happened this time and that's just the best part and and I travel everywhere with Marty um who is uh my executive director and she you know we started this whole company together and she's so great and she's you know so we get to do all of this usually together we were apart for three days in this last leg of the tour to St. John's because her plane got messed up and anyways and I was like this I am not this is mm -mm, this is a partner in crime situation here i am not doing this shit alone so i i'm very grateful that we get to do this whole process together that's awesome it's good to have yeah. your good to have your marty i have mm -hmm. my that's so i understand oh awesome yeah absolutely. So good. absolutely i look at your i'm going to use the word empire i look at your success i admire your strength your resilience your vulnerability um thank you and the incredible heart with which you speak because you know like it's real fucking world yeah. and and that's what matters the most is it's real world mm -hmm. so so boundaries it sounds like you're not going to be probably having another one in calgary anytime soon but that is okay because in the meantime people can read the book oh i would love that share it read it send us your people yes Yes. And, and leave reviews. That's the other thing. Leave reviews. Make sure you leave. Please, Please leave reviews. So Jody, if people want to find you, where is the one place you would like them to find you? I think everything that we do is all landing on our website. So there's courses and workshops and, you know, the podcast, I hope we do a podcast soon. And, you know, all of those things, I, I always want to make um, everything that we do accessible. And so we do a workshop series once a month. The next one's on, you know, raising strong girls. And the one after that is on navigating divorce. And I just wanted to make sort of mental health resources much more accessible. And we show up on social media every day. So Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the things. Yeah. And all the things, Dr. Jody Carrington. All the things. All the things. And it's drjodycarrington.com. It you got it. Drjodycarrington.com. Okay, good. See, I, I, I even just had it memorized. There you go. This has been the most amazing conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I was I saw your post the other day yesterday about getting flowers and I was like, holy sweet Jesus, I'm gonna have to bring it today. God damn it, the bar is so high. Uh, but it was so fun. So thank you. Thank you so much. I just I loved every second and uh, I can't wait to be back in the same room. Lethbridge. Oh my god, I know. When are you coming? When are you coming? I, I do not know what I'm doing tomorrow. Okay. I just know we fly out again on Thursday. And so I'm just tonight. I got to play hockey against my son's team. So a bunch of 13 year old boys and me, uh, is not going to be something. I don't know. I'm going to go home and start stretching now. It's all going to be fantastic. It's going to be fine. It's good. It's good. So good. It's yeah. going to be a good time. My friends, thank you so much for joining us with this amazing conversation with Dr. Jody Carrington. 
who is, as you have seen, the most authentically beautiful and heartfelt inspirer and so committed to reconnection in a world that feels hurt and hopeless sometimes. But more than anything, she has this message around feeling seen and around connecting and the power of that connection. So go get her book and read it and fill it with ink like I did. And I've mm-hmm. only got two people who want to borrow it. And I'm like, as long oh. as I get back, because it's beautiful. And and, Thank you. and then get your ass to her website and get on her mailing list and keep following her because she's a gem. And I am so grateful to have shared space with you, Jody. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Miss Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening, my friend. We are deeply grateful you chose to be here. I trust that this has invited you, even if in some small way, to deepen your awareness, befriend your inner critic, and raise your vibration. Please follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. If you have any ideas or feedback, please reach out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are loved.